Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Unfiltered Life Podcast with Charlotte Jonesy. Hey everyone, it's Charlotte Jonesy here, the women's coach. Welcome to the Unfiltered Life Podcast. On this show, I'll be sharing the highs and lows of life with helpful hints, tips, and experiences. I want to inspire you to step outside of your comfort zone, to turn your pain into purpose, and create your own version of success. As a life coach, mindset mentor, and mum, I am passionate about helping women through life's challenges. My guests and I will get uncomfortable so that you can feel comfortable bringing you a real, honest and unfiltered view. And I worked with a lot of coaches that lacked the empathy. It was very much, why when you're bigger do you not just move more and eat less? And I really disliked that opinion because that's where I was once and it isn't as easy as move more and eat less. You know, there's a lot more behind it, especially if you're quite overweight and you have some kind of disordered eating or emotional eating problems. everyone i've got sarah on the podcast today she is head nutritionist at rwl a wellness app founded by lucy meck and cecilia harris and she's been in the fitness industry for 13 years her journey started with hating exercise and as she says an overweight yo-yo dieter now she's a qualified pt to help others fall in love with wellness and She wants to do it in a compassionate and empathetic way, which I think a lot of us ladies all need. Sometimes the hardcore, strict PTing doesn't work for all of us. So I love that. And actually, when she started that back then, we didn't really see any of that. And now we are so glad to see more of it. Her title at RWL is one of the diet coaches, but her goal is to actually stop people dieting because she believes smaller isn't better and you can enjoy wellness at any size. So hello, Sarah. Hello. Thanks for having me. So let's start off with your journey to becoming a qualified PT and nutritionist. Like why and where did it begin? So I was at university studying music. I got about a year and a half into my degree and I realized that it really wasn't something that I wanted to be doing. During my time at university, I realized just how unfit I had got. I'd gained even more weight in that first year of being at uni, as many students do. I was already overweight, already very unhealthy. And I started to make small, achievable and realistic changes while I was at university with a couple of my friends. I got some results that were going in sort of down the route that I wanted them to go. So I was getting leaner, I was getting fitter, and I realized actually how empowering that was for me, my confidence, my self-esteem, and I just wanted to help other people do the same. Amazing. So, and this started in 2008, you said? So you've been doing it for... It was it was around about 2006, 2007, and then I qualified in 2008. Okay. And how has it been since? So how have you seen like the fitness industry transform? 
Right. So there's been some big changes. Some of the biggest changes have been the most recent ones as well. And I think we have social media actually to thank for that, which is, you know, it's unusual to find something positive coming out of social media. But back when I first qualified, it was all about, you know, just pump iron as hard as you can, diet as hard as you can. Everybody that I worked with had some kind of disordered eating habit, whether it was to gain muscle or lose body fat or both, especially in the coaches themselves. And I just didn't like that approach. I was coming up to clients that were saying, you know, I just don't want to eat chicken and vegetables every day. And I was like, that's fine. You can eat what you want. You just need to, you know, balance your energy input and output. And this was back in the day before it became a massive thing to start saying about calories in, calories out. And I kind of just carried that through my whole career. And I run like diet clubs where I would say, you know, if you feel the need to snack or you feel that there's a certain food that you can't cut out of your diet, what's the point in cutting it out? Because you're just going to eat more of it. And I knew this because that is exactly what I used to do. So then I used that kind of information and almost like used myself as a case study to take it into the dieting industry. And I worked with a lot of coaches that were very much kind of they lacked the empathy it was very much why why when you're bigger do you not just move more and eat less and I really disliked that opinion because that's where I was once and it isn't as easy as move more and eat less you know there's a lot more behind it especially if you're quite overweight and you have some kind of disordered eating or emotional eating problems and um, luckily thanks to social media it's now gone down a much more compassionate route which I'm super pleased with and there's even a lot of coaches that used to sing from the go hard or go home hymn book that have now changed their opinion and I'm just so happy for it yeah and also you're making that active contribution to the industry so got to applaud you for doing that as well and actually saying to people who are struggling and there is definitely more to eating isn't there there's definitely more to exercise than you said calories going in and out and there is actually more to women specifically you know we've got our hormones Mm -hmm. we fluctuate in weight because of particular circumstances our genetics um play a huge role and we never used to hear about things like that in the wellness and fitness industry at all did we so now we're only starting to hear about things like that and actually changing the narrative around it but where do we find the balance because I I almost see that there is people on one side where there just is no empathy on social media like oh you need to lose weight you're overweight like you're pushing an image that actually isn't healthy like I see these type of comments uh, there was one today I saw on Adele and how she's lost a huge amount of weight and it's almost like she can't win so she's now you know what is considered slim And she was back then considered overweight. And the comments, when you look at them, it's like a woman can't win either way. So where do we strike this balance between, you know, looking after ourselves, having body acceptance, but also eating the right things and doing what's right for us? I think you really have to look deep inside and ask yourself, where is your goal coming from? Because there's nothing wrong with having an aesthetic goal. We all have our own preferences. We all like our hair a certain color, certain length, certain style. We have that right to do the same with our bodies. I like to wear false eyelashes. Some people don't even wear makeup. You know, we all have that right to choose. But I think it's really important that you ask yourself, where is my body goal coming from? Is it to please somebody else? Is it because the media is telling me that smaller is better? Am I a better person? 
Um, if I'm smaller, am I the same person, whatever I look like, where am I looking for happiness? Because nine times out of 10, you get down to a certain size and you're not happier. You're just chasing that goal. And I think you just need to, yeah, make sure it's coming from a place of kindness and not for anybody else. And I quite often say to clients, ask yourself if you were the only person on this planet, there were no mirrors, there were no other people, nobody else was looking at you. Would you then change what your body looks like? Or would you just sit like in your underwear and be happy. And most people are like, oh, yeah, no, I'd sit in my underwear and be happy because nobody's looking at me. And it's like, well, there's your problem. You're trying to please everybody else, but everybody has got different tastes. Everybody likes different shapes. You're going to be judged whatever you look like. Look at Adele. You've just used that as an example. She's judged whatever she looks like. Some people have even said they don't listen to her anymore because they don't relate with her because she's not a bigger girl anymore. So she can't win. So she might as well just please herself. And I think as long as you're healthy and in a good mental state, then that's what you want to be striving towards in terms of health, because health is so multifaceted. We have to be healthy emotionally, socially, as well as physically. Yeah, that's such a good answer. Like, I think just going back to what is the actual goal. And I love what you say to your clients as in, you know, would you sit there and just let it all hang out and just be you? if no one was watching and even I just thought what would my answer be and it would be yeah but you are right there is a lot of pressure on us even though you know even people like in the the media and like Adele and wherever her body goal came from it may have come from internally within her or it may have come from pressures of the media who knows where it's come from but I love the way you reframe that as in it should come from within and I want to talk about kind of mindset because that's something you talk about as well on your own social media and how important it is to well for everything really everything kind of body mind and soul so what would be like your top tip for anyone struggling with their weight or body acceptance and to start with mindset first I think that it, I always say start with mindset the saying the abs are made in the kitchen I definitely don't agree with first and foremost abs usually are genetic anyway but if you're going to achieve that aesthetic look which is what a lot of people strive towards for a reason I have absolutely no idea why you have to be in the correct mindset in order to do it because otherwise it's never going to be sustainable and I think, first of all, start from a, a place of kindness, actually write down why you're choosing that goal and what you will achieve, what the pros and cons are of being smaller and what the pros and cons are of being exactly the same size as you are. So are you a nicer person because you're smaller? Are you a better parent because you're smaller? Some people think that they might be able to parent better because they can play more because they're not tired. And in which case they might want to work on a fitness goal. But in terms of an aesthetic Will it really make a difference to your children? Because I know I didn't care what my parents looked like when I was a child, and I still don't care what they look like. I still love them just the same, whether they're smaller, bigger, whatever. And I think it's just really important to focus on what is causing you to elicit certain behaviours that aren't taking you towards that goal. So once that goal is from within and it's from a place of kindness, what's stopping you? Is it emotional eating? Is it stress eating? Is it boredom eating? Is it not knowing the correct things? And then you learn from that and you can then go forward from there after tackling the obstacles. There's no point in just striving towards this really unrealistic goal of just being super skinny or lean or toned or whatever it is that you're striving towards without actually 
kind of facing the demons along the way because they'll just come back and then you'll end up back where you were before you started. Yeah, and it's um, about breaking that pattern, isn't it? And the cycles because, I mean, we'll... I really want to talk about self-sabotaging and how we do that in kind of the diet culture. How would someone stop self-sabotaging and kind of going back to those patterns that they know? I think first, again, you need to get really curious as to why you're self-sabotaging. So some people self-sabotage because they don't believe that they can actually achieve a goal. So as soon as they start achieving it, they're then very nervous about getting towards the goal and failing. So that puts them off either subconsciously or consciously. I have no idea. You would probably know more than that um, about that than I do. Another reason people self-sabotage is because they don't acknowledge what their emotions are doing and they don't see the connection in their emotions and how they cope because food is a massive coping mechanism for a lot of people. And people come to me all the time saying, you know, I really want to lose weight. And when I'm really, really good with my diet, I then all of a sudden go off the bandwagon and then I eat more. But why am I eating more when the goal is to eat less? And I know it's to eat less, so why do I do it? It's like, because you giving yourself these strict guidelines and these rules and then failing those rules makes you sad. When you're sad, you rely on food to cope with that emotion. But people don't see the connection because they just don't feel connected with their own emotions anymore. No, and I think we're all probably a little bit guilty of doing this. Most, well, I think you either in, you're in one camp or the other. You either go to food and you use it as a tool for, you know, helping your emotions, like you said, cope, or you're on the other side where you just don't eat. So I remember growing up, like in my twenties, when I had eating disorders, it was I don't eat, and that's how I would cope with emotion. But that was. you know, when I've unpicked it and looking at all the layers behind it, it's actually because I wanted to control. I wanted, that was my way of controlling things. Whereas somebody, I know some of my friends, they would go for the fridge and they would be like, you know, getting a pizza. And then they would actually just eat and eat and eat and eat until they made themselves really sick. So it can either go one way or the other. How do we find true balance? Do you think it's possible ever? I think it is. I think, I mean, emotional eating, it has a lot to answer for and it gets in the way for a lot of people because there's so many different, like you say, layers to it. You could emotionally eat for one scenario, but then not want to eat for another scenario, like a breakup, for example, it could be so stressful for you that you don't eat. But then, you know, going through a traumatic time in your life, like a global pandemic, you might want to eat because that's your way of coping. So again, it's just getting curious about why you do what you do and what causes it and separating them all because emotional eating isn't just one thing. It's, it's a complete kind of umbrella term. And I think it's really important that you learn what causes what working on eating intuitively, I think helps a hell of a lot when it comes to creating that balance Because once you could see your overall diet, and I I say diet as in just what your habitual eating patterns are day to day, not being on or off a diet. If you look at that habitual diet and you can just be completely objective about it, foods aren't used for a certain reason, apart from purely because you like eating them. And you can be nice and sort of relaxed with what you eat nothing elicits any kind of emotional response anymore because you've dealt with the emotional side. Once you're in that space, balance is so much easier to achieve. 
But until you get to that, it's really, really difficult, especially with like stressful jobs, parenting, pandemics, you know, stuff like that. It's it's so much harder, mm-hmm. but stress management can really, really help with that. Okay. So you would start with stress management, how to actually intervene, I guess, when you are about to emotional eat and I guess noticing the triggers and the signs before you're about to do it, because if it's going to make you feel like shit, then why are you doing it? Exactly. I mean, it, it, it has its place, you know, eating to cope has its place. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. But if you don't want to do it, that's when you work on changing it. Yeah, okay. That's a good point, actually. Because sometimes we all just want to binge out, don't we? Yeah. Like, I definitely do. Oh, when it's miserable weather outside and you just want to sit and eat, like, I don't know, some kind of pizza or some biscuits with a cup of tea, that's like speaking to your yes. soul, isn't it, on a, on a dark, wintry day? Yeah, absolutely. Or, like, getting your favourite coffee from Starbucks, you know, like one of the autumn ones. and Or having a hot chocolate exactly. and a biscuit or a cake. Like, that just is, like heartwarming isn't it oh god you're making me want it now (laughs) I was just something popped into my head actually when you said about intuitive eating which is quite a new concept right so for years and years we've been quite conditioned to believe okay you need three meals a day two snacks and that's what you do these are the proportions this is how much protein you have this is how much carbohydrates and then the more I read about intuitive eating or of course there's total there's all different diets that tell you all different things as well which is why it's so conflicting but then you also have you know you need to eat your five fruit and veg a day like there's all these rules around eating and I've never actually looked at different countries like investigated it or researched it but I do know just from the top of my head that actually there are other countries that eat totally different to us. So it's quite drummed into us from, well, very young age because Leo's on this, like, you know, he has two snacks a day and three meals a day. So I just wanted to know from your perspective, like, do you believe in this system of eating? No, I think everybody is individual. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. The thing with intuitive eating, like there is an element of, of education that is required so in order to eat intuitively, it's you need to learn about yourself, what fills you, what makes you feel good, what feels healthy to you in terms of physical health, emotional health and social health as well. And then going with that, listening to your hunger and full cues, having control over your emotions so that they're not causing you to overconsume calories in a certain way, moving your body because it feels good. That's that's when it all kind of comes into one. And there are people out there that do that naturally. They don't have to think about anything. They're the types of people when I was overweight, I'd be like, oh, you can eat whatever you want and you never gain weight. And it's like, but they're just naturally really mindful about everything. And they follow their intuition with what they eat and how they move. And I think that happens in a lot of these other countries as well. You know, they, they're very social with their food and food is a really important part of their culture. But the foods that they eat are very, they're all whole foods. They're very, they're based on whole grains, proteins, good fats. They're very, very healthy and good for you in terms of health markers. They're very good for you in terms of the social aspect because it's all around the same table with your families, but there's a limited amount of kind of refined sugars and processed foods because they just don't need to rely on those foods because they've got that balanced lifestyle. Mm, so interesting isn't it because I always talk about kind of conditioning and society norms and how we're 
told to do certain things a certain way. And then as we become adults, I feel like this is where we have a lot of conflict in our minds. Oh, I'm supposed to do it like this. And actually, if I don't do it like that, that's where guilt comes in. Or that's when you have this like tug of war in your head. It's like, oh, but I should be doing that, but I'm not. That means I'm a bad person if I'm doing that. So actually a lot of <laughs> our conditioning has a lot to answer for, I think, even when it comes to eating. Definitely. And it's so difficult as well with all the variety. I actually get a little bit frustrated with the amount of variety of foods out there that I really don't want to eat, but I'm just so enticed by because they just look so delicious. Because that's the whole point. Marketing of these kinds of foods, they are designed to be hyper palatable, really interesting and catch your attention and taste delicious but they offer very little nutrient value so although they're good for your soul and you like the taste of them sometimes it kind of goes the other way and you you have to kind of think well actually yeah I do enjoy the taste of that but there's there's not a lot in there that's going to deliver me much in the way of nutrients so although I say don't have food rules be realistic about what you intuitively allow yourself to eat and fall in love again with like the more natural foods the whole foods and your proteins your grains etc and your healthy fats how do we fall in love with this because if someone's in a cycle a pattern of eating what we call badly or not nutritional how do we break out of that cycle and go okay I'm going to do this for me because I know with just even some of my clients, they get into bad eating habits. And once it becomes a habit, it's really hard to get out of and to break it. So what would your advice be for that? I would say, and it is super hard to break those habits. If it's if you have a want and a desire to make your habits a little bit more healthful and more mindful, I think it's important to make them interesting and exciting because then you get that kind of, is it the dopamine hit that you get from doing something new and exciting and it kind of, you chase that high, which is exactly what processed foods do to us. They give us that hit and we want more. So you need to develop that and create that in a different way so that you then want to go for those other foods. So I'll I'll use as an example, when I was overweight and I was feeling unwell, my go-to would be processed foods you know I'd really fancy things like crisps or chocolate because I was ill and they made me happy so what I did instead every time I was ill I thought about something that I thought was really comforting and like for me there's very little more comforting than a nice hot soup with a nice buttery roll so I'd be like right rather than going for the processed foods I'm going to make myself a soup and a really lovely buttery roll because that will be my my sort of wholesome element to it and that's what I did so every time I was ill that was my go-to well now when I'm ill all I want really is the soup in in particular it's usually like a butternut squash soup with lentils in for some reason I don't know why and I don't need the bread not that bread is bad I just literally want the vegetables and this is because every time I ate that soup with my buttery roll I never focused on either or as like these are good these are bad I shouldn't be eating the buttery roll. I didn't give myself any kind of negative element to it. I didn't um, beat myself up or make myself feel guilty, but I would just eat the soup and think all those nutrients that are coming from these fruits and vegetables, the vitamins, the minerals, my body needs them right now. So this is what I'm feeding it. And that's it. I didn't go over the top with it, but it really, really helped just change that habit. And I think you can do that with a lot of different habits. Yeah, definitely. And well, with habits, like if you do something for 21 days, it creates 
a habit, doesn't it? And it when you do it for 90 days, it creates a lifestyle change. So it's about like really being consistent with it and actually pushing through the the hard times to then form a habit that's going to give you long-term results. So you did a post actually, which I thought was really interesting on what doesn't work for fat loss, which I thought might be quite interesting to talk about on here as well. So could you give us that advice? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I would say, and I, this isn't this isn't sort of one size fits all because everybody is individual, but the types of clients that I get are yo-yo dieters. They're very sensitive when it comes to their nutrition and they're in a place of feeling completely lost and completely out of control. And I think the worst thing that they can do is restrict themselves and work on their diet and work on their mindset whilst trying to lose body fat. I think those types of people need to focus on one or the other. And I, in my opinion, you shouldn't really be focusing on fat loss until your mindset is in a good place. So quite often I will stop my clients from dieting and I'll say, right, you're no longer a dieter. You're just maintaining. And they kind of feel lost. They feel like they've lost their identity because some people spend decades dieting. They're always on a diet or they're always saying, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. I need to lose weight. Where does it get them? They're no thinner for doing that, even though that's their goal. So I say to them, like, stop dieting, fix your mindset, sort that out, sort out the emotions. I think suppressing your emotions is one of the worst things you can do as well. Trying to mask it or avoid facing them. Um, either on your own or by getting some professional help. And there is no shame in getting that professional help because in the long run, it is going to help you achieve that aesthetic goal that you want. I would also recommend that you don't follow anything just because somebody's told you to follow it because everybody is so different. You don't even have to do the same diet each day if you don't want to. If you want to intermittent fast on a Monday, but then go low carb on a Tuesday, you do it. Like the world's a a free place. You can do whatever you want. And I think that's the most important thing is make it suit you as an individual. We all know what we're like. We all go into diets generally. If you've been a a yo-yo dieter in particular thinking, yeah, this one's going to really work for me. Or, uh, do you know what? I know I'm going to struggle after a few days. You know, deep down your gut will tell you. So I think it's listening to those cues as well and actually sorting yourself out once and for all so that you stop dieting and start just working towards a goal as like a continuous thing because we fluctuate our whole lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I come from a generations of dieters and that was part, yeah, I think a lot of us women will say that our mums or our nans have been dieters and that's what we've seen. So we're actually trying to undo a lot of what we've been taught as well and they're still stuck in that place most of them so we're actually battling against that and we are trying to teach ourselves you know what is the best way and I think our generation probably gets a little bit lost and confused and where to begin so it's really helpful that you said you know sort out your mindset first and then focus on you know sorting out yourself rather than doing it all at once and actually I think a lot of us try to do that and then we go ah it's too much it's too overwhelming I don't even know where to and then you procrastinate and you don't actually end up doing anything and then you're back to square one again exactly (laughs) back to square one aren't you and you might as well have used all of that time going up and down up and down up and down across the weeks just use that time to work on your mindset Because you go up and down, up and down, up and down thinking that you're going to get somewhere and you don't. You don't lose anything and sometimes we even gain in that time. So you might as well 
get nowhere in terms of your aesthetic, but get somewhere with your mindset in that amount of time. And what I really love about your message is that you can be whatever you want to be because I I even feel that social media can also put a lot of pressure on women to, again, I keep saying this about one camp or the other camp. It's like, okay, if you are in body acceptance, body confidence camp, then you basically just... You, you look a certain way too. I don't know if you agree with this, but there is definitely a strong message as in, you know, just be yourself, like lay it all out. And I promote that myself as well. But it's not to say that you don't have goals that you want to achieve or want to look a certain way. And I think that's really important from just this episode, just for people to know that whatever your goal is, that's okay. Like whatever you want to look like, if you do want to lose a bit of weight, because it makes you feel better, then go for it, do it. But I think sometimes, again, women are now seeing this and they're a bit conflicted. It's like, okay, but I want to be body confident. I want to have acceptance of my body. But then at the same time, I do want to lose weight. I do want to look a certain way because I feel happier. So I just love what you're saying, Sarah, like in terms of... Yeah, it's kind of like a you-do-you situation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's individual, isn't it? And I guess that's where it comes down to when you're with your clients as well. It's so tailored, it's so individual to the person's needs. Yeah, I think as well, it doesn't help that we now live in a society where, and it's getting better because of social media, again, another positive, but people are kind of showcasing their bodies. You know, it's like normalised normal bodies. Back in the day when you used to kind of just mix together, you had like your girl tribe, you'd see each other get changed even. I mean, back even years and years ago, I'm talking about hundreds of years ago, women used to get changed together. You'd have somebody dressing you in, in, if you were, you know, well off, you'd have somebody dressing you. If you weren't, you would get dressed with your colleagues or with your family. We saw other bodies. We knew what other women looked like. We knew what postnatal bodies looked like. We knew what prenatal bodies looked like, old bodies, young bodies. But now, like it took me until I was about 24 to actually know what another woman's body looks like other than what's in a magazine. So I think that's really important as well is, you know, we need to, I don't mean we need to show ourselves off more, but it's really important that we're realistic with what we look like. And I don't know how we can get over that because it just means we all have to like start getting changed together or strip off together or something, which isn't necessarily something that we can start doing. But there needs to be a change. We need to, I think the media need to start using even more normal bodies in their campaigns. It's going down a good route, but it, there's just so much more needed to get us back to that place. And it goes back to as well, like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We mentioned kind of cultural differences as well and how everyone has a different like don't they like as in what they see as beautiful or aesthetic and I completely agree obviously the media have a lot to answer for don't they but we are change makers we are doing for the greater good and I think it's actually really important there's so many women that need to see other women's bodies and to say okay actually I I I feel good like actually I'm not alone for years and years and years I didn't love my boobs and that's because all I ever saw was perky boobs and Mm -hmm. I never saw you know boobs that sagged or that looked a bit different that had bigger nipples I didn't see any of that and because of that I actually thought mine were abnormal yeah me too but they weren't (laughs) it's only now I realize and I'm 30 
But actually, my boobs are fine. (laughs) And even so, who cares what your boobs look like? Yeah. It makes no difference to me and putting food on my table, like based on what you look like. It makes absolutely no difference. So would you say that you found body acceptance? Have you got body confidence? Yeah, I'm just kind of, I don't go out of my way to show it off too much because that's just not my page and not what it's there for. But in the same sense, I do just post my my body on my social media. I'm not bothered either way. Like, I don't want to make a big song and dance out of it, but likewise, I don't keep it covered up. Do you know what I mean? So... I suppose I should probably show it more and showcase it more, especially being an apple shape. It's it's not the kind of mainstream media shape, is it? It's not the shape that people want to be. They all want the big bum and the little waist, which is the opposite of what I've got. But yeah, I'm absolutely fine with it. I've learned to love it. It's functional. It does what it needs to do. It's very healthy. It's taken me through my life so far. I've run a marathon with it. I'm a nice person with it. You know, I'm doing everything that I want to be doing, looking the way that I'm looking and changing how I look wouldn't make my journey any better, easier or more deserving. And would you say that's because you feel good in yourself? Absolutely. Because you are. Yeah. When I first lost all the weight, I thought I was fat, as many people do. And it was like there was a constant longing to be thinner 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 more toned six pack six pack especially being in the fitness industry my goodness like the only trainers you ever saw because of the the nature of the industry we do a lot of exercise and we eat a certain way as just our general way of living but I didn't look like the mainstream PT I never had that six pack or anything like that but I do look like I train and I'm not in bad shape it's just I felt massive pressure to look a certain way. And it wasn't until I got changed in a hotel room with three of my normal, I say normal friends, you know, not personal trainer friends. And they were like, oh, my goodness, look at your body. You're amazing. And I was like, what? I don't look amazing. I don't look like anything. But when I saw their bodies and I was like, oh, cracky, I'm normal. I look like them. They look great. Oh, that, that just it flicked a switch for me. And I, all of a sudden I was like, sweet, I look fine as I am. And it kind of just built from there. And did you ever feel insecure when you were around like other fitness people because of the way you're meant to look, you know, quote unquote? (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Massive pressure. But I soon got over it because I'll be honest, I like living the lifestyle that I live. And it's a way that makes me happy. I like eating what I eat. I'm a social eater. I like drinking alcohol. I train with my job. I've never been into fitness. Like I was a lazy teenager. I hated pee at school. I wasn't an active person. So naturally I'm not as active as perhaps, you know, some of these thrill seeker personal trainers that go out there and do loads of activities all the time. It's just not me. And I'm not going to force myself to live a life that makes me unhappy because health, as I say, is multifaceted and you have to be happy mentally and socially as well as physically. And all my health markers are fine. I have great cholesterol. My heart health is fine. I get things tested all the time. Just because I carry a little bit of extra body fat compared to other personal trainers, I'm really not bothered because I'm not willing to live that life. I'm, I'd just be miserable. And my happiness is more important to me than looking like the next personal trainer that sits next to me or, you know, is is on the magazine. Yes, I love that. I just love <laughs> I love what you stand for. It's so amazing. And I think a lot, a lot of women need to hear it. And you're an advocate for, you know, in the fitness industry, actually promoting what's, well, happiness, which is most important. There's a lot of miserable yeah. personal trainers that have great looking bodies. I mean, I say great. 
see this is the language again just like because yeah. we have been conditioned to say oh they've got almost better bodies but they don't it's all relative isn't it so I'm gonna <laughs> gonna take that word back and just say okay but they are aesthetically they look better shaped than than somebody else but actually they could be so much unhappier because all they're eating is broccoli and chicken mm-hmm. like every day yeah there's a lot of trainers that I've met and then now now that the message has changed they've gained a little bit of extra body fat because they're now living a life that's happy. They're, they're socializing the way that they want to socialize. I've worked with some personal trainers that have showed some very disordered eating in a way that I really would not want to live my life like. And what actually happens is quite a few of them, uh, the female ones in particular, they go on to have children that completely changes their perspective and they wouldn't want to instill those habits on their kids because they know how unhappy they feel. And I think that's that changes quite a lot as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. I did a post actually, which is around the permanent changes to your body that happens after birth. Oh, the yeah, things that, that you actually can't change, you have no control over, like your hips widening. I mean, quite a few people actually said that their ribs never went back to the same way, which has created a different shape in their stomach almost and like your skin Mm -hmm. as in stretch marks moles uh darker skin Mm. what else uh changes your boobs like they can change permanently after having children so there's so much that is out of our control so when we really peel it back what's underneath happiness that's what we all strive for, don't we? Contentment and happiness, really. Yeah. So it's quite interesting that you say that. So this has been really, really helpful. But there is one question that I like to ask all my guests at the end of every interview. And that is, how have you turned your pain into your purpose? I, I've turned my pain into my purpose because I know how it feels to feel so lost and out of control. So I want to take that away from people, take away the anxiety, the guilt, the shame, and I want to let them see what they are through the eyes of everybody else. You know, when you look at someone who's saying, oh, I'm just so fat and ugly and horrible, I need to lose weight, and you're going, no, no, you don't. You're fine as you are. I want them to see themselves in that light, and that's what I try and work on people on with people yeah I love that thank you so much for being an amazing guest and sharing your advice thank you thanks for having me this is the unfiltered life podcast with Charlotte Jonesy thank you so much for listening to this episode if you loved it please subscribe download and leave me a review if you learned something new or just really enjoyed this episode then why don't you share it with others by screenshotting it and sharing it on your stories and don't forget to tag me so that I can see it if you're interested in life or business coaching with me or any of my programs then please head to www.charlottejonesy.com for more information hope to speak with you soon if not I will see you in next week's episode lots of love The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.